Amen. Good evening. All right. Yes. I see some Astros jerseys and one Dodger, one Dodger fan in the room. Just don't. Just Connor and Jesus is uh, only Dodger fans. We'll see after night. We'll see what his divine will is. Um, all right. So uh, hope you guys are doing well. Tonight is going to be interesting. Next week's going to be even more interesting. Um, before we jump into the sermon, um, we are going to do something a little different. We do this literally. We do this once a year. I think we've done it twice in the last four years. So I guess that's once every two years. It would be the math on that. Um, but we. Um, we really, it's been cool to see what God has done in this ministry renovate over the last four or so years, um, and just what God has done and how he's, how he's uh, impacted lives through it and, and all of that kind of cool stuff. And as leaders, we really want to continue to be obedient with what God would want this ministry to look like and how he wants it to be shaped. And so once a year, we try to do this survey where you guys just happen to be on the survey night. And so uh, what, what, what I would like for you to do is get your phone out. Um, because we really do want to build this ministry around you guys, honestly. We want your feedback. I hope you know that that is welcome. Um, but, uh, but we also want to know, man, who are we preaching to? What, what is this? Uh, who's God bringing to this and, and where are you guys at? So uh, can we bring up the survey monkey thing? Okay, so if you would open up a browser here. We're just going to do this together, guys. We're just going to do this together. Type in surveymonkey.com. I'm going to do it with you here. We're all in this together. Leave no man a woman behind, surveymonkey.com slash lowercase r slash revate. Slash R-V-A-T-E. You guys are probably quicker than I am. Is it working for you guys? Oh. Yes. Oh, no. It didn't work for me. I must have typed it in wrong. So if you've got it open, just go through it. It's like, what, eight questions? Survey monkey. Is it working for everybody now? You're, there you go, guys. R-V-A-T-E. Number three? Okay, I just got it. I'm a little slower here. I feel like I should have already had this brought up. I just wanted to experience the same thing you guys were experiencing. It's loading. It's loading for me still. If you don't have a smartphone in here, uh, you can leave. You can leave. There's other churches in this area that are great churches for you. <laughs> yeah. You don't have a smartphone? Oh, okay. You own one. You just didn't bring it with you. Okay, I like that. It's kind of cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Way to go. You can just send us your answers. Good. You're enjoying this moment then. Okay, so how'd you hear about Renovate? You guys probably did that one. How long have you been coming? Pick the number one reason you come back to Renovate each week. If tonight's your first time, what was the one thing that might bring you back next week? Although that's weird because if it's your first time, all you know is the tailgate and part of the worship. So I don't even know what you answer. Teaching, worship, community, free food. I don't plan on coming back. That's, I dare you to put that one. Uh, what else? What would be another option? Somebody said there needs to be more options. Those are pretty general. Oh, to pick multiple. I see. Okay. All right. Yep, sorry. We'll, do it. we'll adjust that. That's good feedback. We'll adjust that next time. How often do you attend? Which of the following is most true of you? That's good. We really would love for you to take this seriously on that stuff. Type in your age, gender, which of the following best describes your current occupation? How, how about church on Sunday? What number are you guys on? Done? We got some people that are still in the zone over there. You guys about done? Hey, while you're at it, while you have your phones, you should social media us. Follow us on Instagram to New Thing and the Facebook. I think they're going to just call it Facebook now, not the Facebook, huh? No, it's not. <laughs> so yeah, Instagram or Facebook, that's kind of how you'll stay in the loop on stuff. All right, did you guys get it? Yes? Hey, seriously, thanks, guys. If this wasn't an awkward introduction to a sermon, I don't know what it was. Yeah, am I right? Can I check the score? Can I check the score real quick? Are you guys DVRing it? Are you DVRing it? I don't want to ruin it for anyone. Can I check it? No? 
Somebody could be DVR, DVRing. I don't want to ruin it for anyone. Okay, earmuffs. I'm going to check the score. If you're DVRing earmuff, I would like to check the score. <clears throat> Man, this is what? Astros are up 2 0. I don't even need to check it. You guys got it. The Astros are up 2 0. Sweet. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, that's all we've got for tonight. Um, <laughs> just kidding. All right. Um, yeah, we're done here. You go find your phone, Amber, wherever that is. Uh, left it in your farmhouse or wherever you live. <laughs> uh, I don't understand. You don't have a phone. Okay. Uh, let's do this. So here's what's, uh, here's what's happening right now. All right, turn off the ESPN app. Uh, you'll get notifications if you're really that into it anyway. Okay, so... Um, here is, uh, here's what's happening tonight. Hey, seriously, thank you guys for doing that. Uh, I know that's kind of this awkward thing, and it feels like almost this false start to the, to the sermon, but it, it is important to us because we really want to know who's in this room. We want to know where you guys are at. We want to know uh, where you're at in life. We want all of those things because we desire to be better and better leaders. We've got a lot of growing to do, honestly, as a staff and leadership of how uh, to, to be better shepherds of this flock. And so a big part of it is, man, we've got 250, 260, 270 people showing up on a Wednesday night. Who are they? How do we love you guys well? Um, and so that's, that's where we're at. So I, I genuinely mean it. Thank you, thank you. Um, we've been going through Ephesians, right? We've been going through the book of Ephesians, and we got to the end of chapter five, which is the, uh, it is the creme brulee of marriage Bible verses, Right? And if you don't like creme brulee, it's the Lex, it's the Audi, right? It's the, it's the Houston Astros of Bible verses when it comes to marriage, right? Or Dodge, I don't really, I don't really care. I'm actually, anyway, it doesn't matter. Stay on topic. Uh, right? So this is so this, is this really p- pinnacle Bible verse on marriage. And so um, what we're doing is I'm taking two weeks. And this week, I'm going to be 30,000 foot level, big picture, what is marriage, um, it's probably going to frustrate some of you guys because it's not going to be a super applicable sermon, to be real honest, if I'm real transparent. Um, it's going to look at the gospel, and the gospel should always be applicable in our life. Um, if we have depth, we should always say, man, how can we have more depth of the gospel? How can we apply this? How can we have a better understanding of marriage? And so that is what is marriage. And then next week, really diving into the practical implications of if that is marriage, how do I get it? Um, and, and really, and that's going to be a much more interesting sermon. You got, a lot of you guys are going to hate me after next week, which is fine but I'm just going to speak truth um, and maybe some opinions in there too. So uh, that's where we're going. Let me pray for us, and then let's, uh, let's jump into the Word of God, would you? <sighs> Father, thank you. Um, Father, thank you for the family that is in this room, Lord. I mean it, God. I just, I'm so grateful for what you've done um, just in this ministry over the last few years and just the, the family that now exists that we get to gather together and we get to worship you and we get to pray and praise um, and claim truth and beg for you to be the firm foundation that we build our life on, Lord. Uh, Would we not approach this tritely? Would we not um, take for granted what we get to be a part of as being members of your uh, church, Lord, of of the body of Christ, Lord, and all the implications of that? Uh, For friends who are in this room who maybe are just checking us out for the first time and um, maybe they're here and, and maybe they're far from you or maybe, maybe some of us have really wandered, Lord. Would you just, would you speak tonight, God? Uh, I am woefully inadequate to do this task. Uh, I am not uh, able to do what, Lord, we need, which is life change, which is depth, which is um, hearts that are changed. And so, Lord, in the name of Jesus, would you speak through me? Would you help get me a broken vessel out of the way and speak to your kids, those that you love in this room so much Would you share truth with them? Um, Would you challenge and and take them deeper, Father? You know where they're at. Uh, You know what they need, Father. And and we know it's more of you and less of us. And so uh, your spirit's the only chance we have to that end. Uh, So speak through me uh, for your glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, Ephesians 5. We're going to throw it up on the screen for you. Um, The other thing, too, is because there is so much content, as I was kind of chewing through um, just this idea of what is marriage and how do we get it and all that ties into that, um, there's just so much that two weeks is, is more than normally we would camp out on a passage with, but it is still not even close to enough. And so uh, one of the things I would love for you is I would love some interaction as far as you guys texting us questions. So Jeffrey, you mind throwing that number up there? So this number, Jeffrey's going to sneak up there whenever we don't have um, scripture on the screens, kind of in between the slides. Uh, and I would love 
to hear any questions you have. It could be really practical. It could be a nuanced thing. It could be a big picture question that you have. It could be something kind of unrelated. We might not get to it if it's unrelated um, because one of the things I, I think as I've been studying even just marriage and, and what we need to step into as far as how we do relationships well, especially to the ministry we have of young adults in this city uh, and what Renovate is, uh, I, I think we're going to need to step into a bigger way next spring. Uh, and so my thought was, man, we might need to do a series or something on this. And so I want that to be driven by, man, where are you guys at with this? What are questions? And even questions you have throughout the week, if you want to save this number in your phone uh, and just put it as, you know, renovate question hotline or whatever you want to, and just text us questions, uh, things like that. And that's going to really shape a, a lot of how uh, Josh and I do preparation for next spring series, but also it'll tie in uh, potentially in some things next week, if that makes sense. So at any point, if, if you... If I say something um, that you're like, man, that, that sparked a question, text me. I'd, I'd, love to, I'd love to hear that. That's not our number, so you're, that's not my number. That's just our staff. I don't actually know whose number that is. <laughs> that might be Amber's number. I'm not sure whose number that is. <laughs> you find your phone in three days, you're like 90 text messages. Um, okay, so, sorry. That's somebody on staff for our, our LS2 uh, line. Okay, here we go. Chapter 5, verse 22. <clears throat> We have walked through a lot of what it looks like to follow Christ. Paul has in this book. He's now stepping into this idea of submission, which we're going to camp on a good deal tonight. And now he's shifting the gears to say, man, here's real practically how this gospel identity impacts now marriages. He starts with wives. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. We're going to stop right there. Ladies, how fun is that to read, right? Who's got that tattoo, right? You ladies, I was like, man, I want to get the submit to my husband tattoo on my back, right? Um, I want, us to, I want us to, I recognize, right, just this, this word submit, it has such a negative connotation, right? And I want us to know a couple things. One, and we're just going to tease this out, so much of this sermon, I recognize is going to be teasing out, and we're going to zoom in a lot more next week uh, on some of the nuances. But this idea of wives, right, in this comparison is wives submit as the church submits to Christ. And so there's this whole picture of we got to understand what the role of the church is in relationship to church and the Christ church in Christ in order to really apply this to our lives. But I want to talk for a second about this idea of submission. It is not a bad word, right? This idea of submission in our culture, man, it sounds like a bad word. It really does. Uh, it, it has all this negative connotation, um, but it is not. It feels like this identity crushing, you know, I have, to, I have to submit. Like, that's what Paul says. Paul says, hey, wife, submit to your husband constantly. And, this, and it feels like, oh my gosh, I've got to... I've got to wear denim skirts the rest of my life and have a head covering and, you know, homeschool my kids in a farmhouse. Like, that's what we just, there's this negative connotation, right? No offense if you are wearing a denim skirt right now or you were homeschooled in a farmhouse. But, but that's the idea, right? There's this, there's this almost oppressive angle that we think of especially, guys, especially in our culture, that we are called, that our primary job, that wives, that ladies' primary job in a marriage as called out by Paul, is to submit. Um, here's what that word does mean, right? Uh, what it does mean is it is this idea of placing yourself under authority, right? So it's not a, it's not a, it's not a chauvinistic oppression, but it is the idea of a voluntarily placing yourself, submitting, putting yourself under uh, the authority and here under the authority of the husband as to Christ. Uh, what it doesn't mean what that word does not mean, and Paul does not mean this, and the Greek does not mean this, is it doesn't mean be a second-class citizen, right? Be a servant constantly. Uh, be, a, be a slave. Be oppressed and a slave to whatever your husband wants at all times. Submission is not a bad word. There's a, there's a couple of ways that I want to camp out on this um, briefly as, as we talk about the female side of, of marriage. And a couple of ways I want to camp out on it that I think hopefully will uh, allow there to be some level of peace as we approach this concept of submitting uh, as Christ does. Um, and that is this. That is, and this is for every believer in this room. Submission is a muscle that every Christ follower has to have. 
Submission is required, at least if you're going to have a healthy relationship. I want to use that, that word required really carefully. But it is required if you're going to have a healthy relationship with Christ. The idea of submission is required in that relationship with Christ. To be a follower of Christ is about submission. So if we can remove the baggage from you know, what, what women are asking in a marriage and how they're asked to function and instead say, okay, let's look at all believers and how we're called to be in a relationship with the God of the universe Submission is an integral requirement for a healthy relationship with Christ. And, and if you hate the idea of submission in a relationship, right, which I don't blame you, I get it, um, but if, if that just makes you want to just gag, this idea of like, oh my gosh, I have to submit to the man, this is ridiculous, this is chauvinistic, this is, this is so, uh, this is old school, this isn't relevant anymore, and that drives you crazy, then um, I, I want to challenge you tonight, I want to challenge you, man, what does that look like in your walk with Christ? Right? If you, if the idea of submitting to a husband one day is gag-worthy, right, or for, or for married couples maybe in this room who really struggle with that, and that is this gag-worthy idea, what does that look like in your walk with Christ? What does your submission to Christ look like? And I'm not saying it's a one-to-one correlation, but I am saying check your heart on that. Check your heart on the idea of, okay, you don't want to submit there, but you're okay with submitting in this relationship with Jesus. And if you say, mm, okay, I think I'm fine actually with Jesus. Like the idea of a guy, that stinks, but I'm really fine with submitting to Jesus. Okay, and I really believe and that could be very true, but I would also ask you the follow-up question. <clears throat> Make sure you haven't created a Jesus that's just easy to submit to. Right? Make sure that you haven't turned your theology into Jesus or because, see, with Jesus, there's a level of uh, a lack of accountability if you're not in a really healthy community where I can create, and this is for everyone in this room. This isn't a girl thing. This is a follower of Christ thing. I can create the kind of God that I want to submit to. And then all of a sudden, if I get, if I get um, kind of confronted with some parts of theology, some parts of knowing who God is, and he starts to reveal some aspects, it's like, well, wait a second. That's really kind of infringing on, on me and my will and maybe some things that I wanted to do and maybe some, some of the, the justice that I have in my heart and, and now you're saying God does this and I don't like that or now you're saying I have to live this way or somebody's calling me out in my sin and that's biblical and I don't like that. Then we can start to shave and mold Jesus dangerously into a Jesus that we're really comfortable submitting with. And so if you say I have no problem submitting to Jesus but I have a huge problem submitting to others, right, Any, anyone, right? A defiant, I mean, our generation, we want to take over the world. And one day we're going to be handed the world. But right now we want to take over the world. And I think for some really good reasons, we are a generation and a culture that is not complacent. We want to lead. We want to, we are frustrated by poor leadership. And so if we identify that kind of hard idol of, man, I don't like submitting. I don't want that. And then we look at our relationship and be like, well, man, how does that play out in my walk with Christ? Again, it's not a one-to-one correlation, but I think, man, it'd be really foolish if we didn't apply that and start looking at our own walk. And then if we say, no, I think I'm fine, then say, okay, am I submitted to the real and risen God? Or am I submitting to a God who's just comfortable for me to submit to? I've kind of picked the best parts of Jesus, the parts I really enjoy submitting to, the great worship music, the fun, loving Jesus who's accepting and welcoming and, you know, full of grace What's that look like in our life? Submission is an absolute part of the Christian life. Um, Romans 12, right? At the very beginning of Romans 12, therefore, in, in view of God's mercy, in light of God's mercy, Paul says in Romans 12, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This idea of submission is all throughout our walks, and yet we see it in relational roles, whether we're going to unpack it with fathers and children and, and, and parents and kids. We're going to unpack it here in marriage. And all of a sudden, well, wait a second. I don't like that. And I, I get it. But I think there's something that that can tell us about our heart there. Um, because here's the truth. He wants all of us. Right? The reality and the truth of this situation and of, of those who have said, man, I want to follow Jesus. I want, to, I want to be in relationship with Christ. Now we see this marriage relationship as a picture pointing to that. But we're saying, okay, in my relationship with Christ, he says, I want all of you. He says, I want you to fully submit. I want 100% of you. I want you to leave the things of the world. I want you to come and be a part. I have purchased you. You are mine. You are no longer the world's. You are dead 
That, that version of you is dead, and now you are alive in Christ. Now you are slave to righteousness. Now you are under my kingdom. You've left the kingdom of the world, left the kingdom. Now you are under my kingship, Jesus says. And so there is this really, really important understanding of, God, can I praise you through submission? Can I make submission not a bad word, but instead find it my joy to submit to you? And I think as we do that, we, we start to be able to interpret relationships differently. Obviously, in this context, marriage, but we're going to get into a lot of other things. And here's the thing. There is this beautiful result of a life that's submitted to Christ, right? A life that's fully surrendered, a life that says, okay, man, my life, I don't get to do what I want to do. Because to follow Christ says, Lord, I'm going to do your will. I'm going to do what you want to do. But wait, I kind of want to do this as a career. But the Lord, I really feel like, is calling me, and it's being affirmed from outside, and he's putting a piece of my heart about it, and he's leading me down this path to do these things. But I wanted to do this, and, and all of a sudden he says, no, I want all of you. I don't want you to be a category of, of a walk with me, and here's my Jesus part of the pie, and then the rest is you. No, I want all of you. I want your thoughts. I want your actions. I want what you eat. I want what you watch. I want all of you, and it is this complete submission to him, and yet there's a beautiful result of that, and the beautiful result of that life is freedom, right? The beautiful result of a life submitted to Christ is this amazing, amazing freedom that we have. Submission and freedom within the Christian life are this beautiful paradox that we see, and they, they feed into each other, this idea of just submitting fully to Christ in our life and denying ourselves. We do not talk and preach enough about the, the godly virtue of what it looks like to deny ourselves. Because I think sometimes in our American culture, we think, well, that's not going to grow ministries. That's not going to grow churches. Nobody wants to show up and say, hey, you want to follow Jesus? Deny yourself. Die. Die. Pick up your cross and follow him. Because we think, man, it'd be so much easier for you guys to show up and we just preach, hey, you want to follow Jesus? Great. He loves you fully which is true, he loves you fully, and you just, you just do you, and he's gonna cover all of you with grace. And that is not the truth of scripture, right? The truth of scripture is that his grace is enough for however far our sin is. No matter how far you've gone in this room, no matter what baggage you have, the truth of scripture is, yes, he can cover you, but it's also, yes, but he calls you to something else. There should be a result of obedience. If you are in Christ, there should be a result of that faith, and faith alone but of that faith that should result in some radical, radical obedience. And that obedience should exponentially grow in our life. Lord willing, in 10 years, I've, I've been able to deny myself in some other ways. And part of it is just the passage of life that you're going to go through as you get older and there are sacrifices that have to be made. But that's this beautiful idea of submission and then it leads to freedom. So let me unpack how does that work, right? Okay, how does a life of submission how does a life of submission produce this freedom? Uh, example. I think this is the, the most obvious example is addictions, right? Addictions in our life. Uh, maybe, that's, uh, maybe that's alcohol. Maybe that's drugs. Maybe that's pornography. Maybe that's um, spending, right? Just this idea of, man, I feel better. I can medicate myself by buying things and this I, I can control some of those feelings. I can be in control of this and purchase and swipe the credit card. And those addictions that seem to claim us, those addictions that seem to haunt us and hold us down and we can't quite seem to get away, what Christ is calling for is he's saying surrender. Surrender, deny yourself those things. Maybe it's a food addiction. He says, walk away from that. Walk away from that. Submit to me. And, and he gives us this really beautiful guideline that we're going to talk about here at the end too, but he gives us this really beautiful prayer even as he asks as he tells us, excuse me, as he tells us how to pray, he says, man, pray for your bread daily, right? We see this beautiful idea of if you are in this room and you are haunted by addictions, and you go before the Lord and you say, man, I just want to shake this. He says, okay, give us this, this bread, our daily bread. And he says, okay, just one day at a time, what does that look like? What does it look like for those who are enslaved in that level of submission of sin? To say, okay, tomorrow I'm going, to walk, I'm going to walk in freedom. I'm going to walk in the freedom that is being a slave to Christ. And instead of choosing these things, whatever that is, I'm going to choose Christ's righteousness. And, and that, that doesn't just look like, okay, now I feel better. It's going to look like, man, i got to dig into his word. 
right? It looks like, man, I've got to replace it. I've got to submit myself. I've got to say no, 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 no. Deny myself and plant myself in the truth and plant myself in a community of people who are speaking that truth in my life. I've got to plant myself and, and, and be submitted and chain myself to truth where I know there is life. And for some of us, that seems like such a long trajectory. And it seems like, man, I've tried that and I haven't been able to shake it. And my challenge would be, okay, just, just say, okay, tonight, Lord, tonight I'm going to surrender to you. And then tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to say, okay, Father, today, one day at a time, Father, today I'm going to surrender to you. I'm going to be a slave to righteousness. I'm going to listen to what you want me to listen to on the radio. I'm, I'm going to be sensitive to the spirit when you're telling me to walk away from, from a relationship or from a conversation. or from. I'm going to be sensitive to you, and I'm going to submit to you one day at a time. I'm going to surround myself with other people that are holding me accountable. And it's this beautiful submission that leads to such freedom. And, man, there's been just really cool seasons of, of my life where I've just gotten to walk in freedom now that I can look back. And, and I've shared this before, but I look back at seasons of lust in my life that I thought, man, as a guy, I would just never shake. I would just never shake those seasons. They would just always be there, and certainly the world would celebrate that and say, oh, that's no big deal, and that's every guy's struggle. And yet now looking and saying, man, there's been such freedom because of who Christ is and because I got to, I got to choose a, a different captor, and that captor is good. And now there's joy on the side of it because being a slave to righteousness produces this joy and this freedom that's worth it. So... That was a lot, right? That was a big, long rabbit trail on the idea of submission. But if we don't understand that, right, if submission stays a bad word and if we're not applying the idea of submission to other aspects of our heart and our life and our vertical relationship with Christ, then we're going to see horizontal relationships and not know how to function. This whole series, this whole idea of relationships is all about how can we have this vertical, healthy relationship that allows us to have healthy relationships with, with others that we're walking around with. Second way I want to give you peace with this concept of submission to, to the ladies now, shifting back, because all that applies to everyone, but to the ladies, <clears throat> it is the object that you are submitting to. And so for those who read that and were like, oh man, that's a, that sounds like a beating and it kind of sounds a little chauvinistic, the object to which you are submitting to should produce peace in your life if, Lord willing, you're submitting to a godly husband. So I want to shift gears, and I want to step into now how Paul calls out men, the role that he calls men to uh, in this, in this uh, task, in this calling that he's put on husbands. Um, and, and ladies, this is really, really important for you because um, if you are in this room and you do desire to be married one day and you are going to be married one day and all those things, which we'll talk about that here uh, at the end and talk about a lot next week. Um, then, then what's going to happen is, uh, is you've got to be able to identify that is what it looks like. That's the kind of man it looks like that I want to submit my life to. A godly woman once said, it is a joy to submit to a husband who is laying his life down. And so as we unpack this role of the husband's role, uh, that should produce peace um, because you're not submitting to a man who's not submitted to Christ. You're submitting to a husband as to Christ. So I'm going to transition here into the role of men. So ladies, continue to list carefully. But guys, um, Paul spends twice as long talking about, maybe three times as long, talking about the role of husbands. So with wives, he says, man, submit to a husband as to Christ. But then the husbands, he calls out. So here we go. Verse 28. I'm sorry, verse 25. Husbands. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. So you see where he's going here. You see the bar that he's raising for, for men here. Paul goes on to say, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. So here is the portrait, right? Again, this sermon is kind of this 30,000 foot, okay, what's it kind of look like? Um, here's, the, here's the general portrait of what Christ is calling husbands to look like. Selfless. 
right? We see that right off the bat, this idea of a selfless husband, right? Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Um, we see that our Savior, right, Christ Jesus, if, if the husband is supposed to look like Christ, he is the example, right? He, he humbled himself to the point of death, right? We see in Philippians 2 this idea of, of Jesus giving up his throne and his position and his, his, his place in heaven and humbling himself to this world, to walk this earth and to be crucified ultimately, there is a level of self, selflessness that, uh, that Christ had that men have to identify with and have to say, okay, this is what it looks like for a husband. This is the calling of a husband. Uh, also serving. There to be selfless. There to, actually, there to be selfless, serving, and sacrificial. I promise I did not mean for those to start with an S. I kind of hate that I did, and I added a fourth one just so it doesn't have an S. Um, but... This idea of serving, right? We see that he washed her. Right? And what did Jesus do? Right? If husbands are to love as Christ loved, what did Jesus do? He was selfless. He served the church constantly. Literally served them. Literally served them food. Healed them. Put his hands on their sickness. Washed his disciples' feet. That is the example. That is the bar being held for that. And then, obviously, this passage is rich with the sacrifice of the gospel. Husbands love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh, just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. There's a sacrificial component to how husbands are called to love their wives. Um, that's, that's so obvious, right? That's so obvious, that's so, so generic, uh, and yet, and yet, that is something that is absent from our horror. Even, even in our single relationships, this idea of selflessness and service and sacrifice, and Christ ultimately hung on a cross for us, and that's the bar now Christ is setting for husbands. Jesus, make no mistake, Jesus takes the short end of the stick, right? When it comes to anything, right, if a husband is to be as Christ, then any argument, right, oh, what should we watch? Should we watch... The football game, or should we watch This Is Us? This Is Us is always going to win, right? <laughs> I actually like This Is Us, but, <clears throat> right? So I don't mind, but I play it off, and I pretend I don't like it that much. And then I cry when they do that musical montage towards the end, you know what I'm talking about? When Jack's like slow-mo walking, and you're like, well, how's he going to die? Anyway. <clears throat> right? The idea is that in every, in every, in every situation and circumstance, right, that there is, this, there is this idea that the husband is called to sacrifice, to lay down, just as Jesus did. He took the short end of the stick. In my walk with Christ, I got the good end of the deal. He's the one who took on my sin. He's the one who took on my baggage. And that is the bar that's been raised. There has to be, and, and this, is, this is why we're preaching this one tonight so that next week we can really zoom in. There has to be a perspective shift. Man, there has to be a drastic perspective shift. And I... I think there's some people in this room that, um, man, are thinking, okay, this is good to hear. This is, this is good to hear. And I think there's other people who say, yeah, I know that. I know that that's what we're supposed to do, right? That's, uh, that's, that's nothing new. I grew up in the church. I've heard this a lot. That's, I've, every wedding I've been to, this is the passage that's preached and talked about as I watch someone else get married and I'm frustrated. And, and I get that. And so we're going to walk through that. We're going to walk through that. The reality is, are there real implications of that change? Oh, the, the, last, the last one, too. The portrait of this godly husband, selfless, sacrificial, serving, but also covenantal, right? Which is just a fancy word for this unconditional, unchanging, forever kind of love. In verse 25, right, the command for the husband is, husband, love your wives. And that love word is, is the word agape, right? Uh, it's the word agape. And there's a lot of different words uh, in the New Testament and the Old Testament that all try to define the word love. And we actually did a series on this at the beginning of the year uh, called The Shape of Love. But uh, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. But this word agape, this word really means commitment and covenant. There's other words that mean emotion and passion, right? And it's not saying love your wife with the passion, Right? It's saying love your wife in this committed, unchanging, unbreakable commitment kind of way. So that, that portrait of what a loving husband looks like should be those things, sacrificial and selfless and um, serving their wife and, and then this unchanging, 
covenantal, forever kind of love. That is the love that husbands are called to for their wives. And that is really, really hard, right? That is hard for us to do in any relationship. And so this bar has been raised, and, and I want you to see something too, because uh, wives and, and women and ladies in this room who might one day say, man, I don't know that I like this idea of submission, it's submitting to someone who is constantly laying down their life for you. It's saying, I'm going to partner in, with you, and you are going to take the short end of the stick. It's this beautiful, and so, so that alone should produce this, wow, that, that, flips, that flips that term upside down on its head. And then this call to say, okay, I'm going to love the way Christ loved me, that is, uh, that's incredibly hard to do. Uh, it's incredibly hard to do. And yet, men, you will be held accountable. You will be held accountable, those who, who get married, you will be held accountable to lead and to love your wife like this. Look at this, verse 31. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Here's the beauty tonight. Um, right? You can't do this without Christ. Um, so we, we can't love the way Christ has called us to love other people, whether that's, a, whether that's a friend, whether that's a neighbor, whether that's a spouse, whether that's a boyfriend, a girlfriend, whatever that looks like. We can't love those horizontal relationships if we don't understand how we've been loved, if we don't understand the grace of Jesus Christ, if we don't understand that, yes, he met us where we didn't belong. Yes, he meets us in our brokenness, and then he says, come and follow me, submit to me. And he dwells us with his spirit, and it's this crazy thing that then I get to feed the spirit, and I get to walk in this obedience that produces more and more life and freedom as I follow him. We can't love without understanding the beauty of the gospel. We're not wired to do it. We're not able to do it. We're not good enough. No one in this room is just genuinely selfless enough. And this whole picture of marriage is a picture of the gospel. Uh, I, want you, I want you to walk away from this night um, not necessarily asking, okay, I need to find this. Not necessarily saying, okay, phew, great, this is what the man I'm supposed to look for and have been looking for is supposed to look like. This is what the wife I'm supposed to have, what I want, what I desire, what I pray for is supposed to look like. Great, this is torture, right? This has been a really fun night hearing from a guy that's married talk about marriage, right? I get that. It's not lost on me, the audience I'm preaching to. I get that. Um, here's, here's what my hope would be to walk away with. Um, my hope to walk away with tonight wouldn't be, okay, how do I find that? And I want to dig into a whole sermon on that next week. But tonight, if this raises up tension in you, if you hear this and you get frustrated, discouraged, angry, I want you instead walking away saying, okay, I've got to love and submit to Jesus more in my life. Because one of the things, and some of you guys in this room might relate to, and some of you guys aren't going to relate to. Some of you guys are in a place where it's like, cool, this is good to keep in reference to. I don't feel shackled right now by my singleness. But some of you guys aren't in that season. I know you're not. And I, I want the gift of marriage for you. I'm praying for it. I want to do a whole series on how do we do this better? How do we create a culture that, that does this better? How do we look different than the world, right? I want those things. But for tonight, what I want is for all the things that right now you feel like, I can't control this, Ben. I'm in this place and I'm frustrated. And I, 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 you're telling me things I want. You're telling me things that I desire. You're telling me things that I'm praying for. You're telling me things that I'm trying to be and not being noticed as. And all these things that right now it feels like are out of your control and instead tonight saying, all right, Lord, for tonight I'm gonna submit that frustration and that anger and I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you, Lord, what does it look like for me to submit to you more? What does it look like for me to love you more? Because those are things that right now you can control. And those are also the root of every healthy relationship you're gonna have. Every healthy relationship you're gonna have and your ability to step into healthy relationships are gonna be largely rooted, not entirely rooted, but largely rooted in, man, what does that look like for you? 
And not, okay, I'm going to do this so that I get this. Not because God's a vending machine. All right, fine, I'm going to worship him more. I'm going to try to submit. I'm going to journal more. I'm going to try to love him more in these general ways. Because if I push the right vending machine numbers, then I'll get the thing that I want and desire and I'm praying for. And if that's a spouse, then it's that. If it's a better job, then it's that. But to say, Lord, how do I submit to you? How do I love you more? Have I submitted? Am I still a slave to this world? If you're having a hard time loving him, right? If you're having a hard time loving Christ and really saying, okay, I love him. I'm, uh, you know, you, we see, we see the picture of a husband is the result of what that love looks like. And you're saying, man, I don't serve Christ in a radical way. I don't, you know, I don't sacrifice for Christ in a radical way. I don't do those things. I don't have this unconditional, right, pursuit of him and those radical things. And you're, and you're identifying, man, there's some areas where I want to I wanna grow in my love for Christ. I want to grow in that. It's, it's because you don't know him. It's, it's because you don't know him as well as you could, right? I, I know Jesus, right? I know most of you guys, a lot of you guys know Jesus. But the depth to my ability to love him more comes from me knowing him more. Right? I love my wife. Right? I told myself I wasn't going to use a marriage illustration because that's just salt in the wound, but I am. Uh, I love my wife. She's unbelievable. Right? We got married a little over 10 years ago, and I love her. I love who she is. She's an incredible person, but I love her more now than I did when we got married. And I love her more now. My love for her is deeper. It is more mature, and, and that comes from a place of me knowing her more. Because as I've gotten to know her, and make no mistake, she is a sinner, right? She is a sinner. I have a list of things I'm about to read through that she's done wrong. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, babe. I am way more of a sinner in our relationship, just so you know. I am definitely the chief sinner in our relationship. But I, I just wanna paint the picture that like, yes, like my wife's incredible, but yes, she's a sinner, and there's things that we disagree on, and there's things, there's, there's tension, right? Our marriage is not perfect. But I, my love for her has increased because my knowledge of her has increased. And man, if that is not a picture of the gospel, then nothing is. So if you're saying, okay, fine, what I'm going to work on this week before you tell me how to get a wife, which is basically just going to be a big arranged marriage ceremony next week. Um, <laughs> but if, if you're like, all right, fine, how do I get, uh, how, do I, how do I focus on the things that I control? How do I love him more? It's know him more. Because he is that beautiful, guys. Because he is that lovely, because to know him more is to love him more. And because as he reveals himself, my belief, my theological understanding of this book and how the Holy Spirit works is as you sit before him more, as you know him more, as you see him more in relationships and community and the word of God, you will fall more and more in love with him. That's who he is. That is intrinsic in who he is. And so my challenge for you, if you're like, all right, fine, so my application is to love him more and submit to him. And you're like, I'm struggling with the love, know him more, chase after him. Put yourself in a place, start reading, right? Read Ephesians over and over again. Read the Psalms. Get around other people who love him and say, man, tell me about what you love. Ask that question. To somebody that you know loves Jesus, say, hey, man, what do you love about Jesus? Ask a bold question. Tell me some things, right? If somebody came up to me and said, hey, what do you love about your wife? You'd see me light up and I'd just start doing this and that and this. And we watch This Is Us together and we hold hands, Right? <laughs> Like, you'd see me light up, and you'd see me get to talk about these things, and then I'd think of other things when I'm driving in the car, and I'd call you, and like, oh, I didn't even mention this and that, right? So find people who love Jesus, and put yourself in those relationships, and say, man, what do you, how, what do you love about him? I love walking with, with other guys. I love being in community with people who love Jesus, because it's like, wow, man, that's so, I didn't even, man, that's good. You're on fire. That's awesome. I didn't see that, or I wasn't aware of that, or I wasn't thinking that, or I wasn't dialed into that. Okay, so the second and last thing is um, maybe you're struggling with the idea of submitting, right? So maybe it's not the loving thing. You're like, okay, I love Jesus, Ben. I mean, we could all love Jesus more, but I love Jesus. What I'm struggling with is this idea of submitting to him, submitting to him. Like, I'm really struggling with, I just, I kind of want to do things my way, and I know I'm not supposed to because I love him, and when I get close to him, when I worship, I feel the conviction because I know what I did this last week, and I'm really struggling with this idea of submitting my life fully to him. And yes, I'm saved, and yes, I put my faith in him, but I've just got this, I just keep wandering back to these things that I just keep feeling convicted about. 
And you're saying, man, what does that look like? And how do you submit him more? Because I'm still submitted, submit to him more because I'm still submitting to my flesh and to the world. Maybe that's sin in your life, right? Maybe it's some of those addictions that I talked about, right? Maybe some things you're just having a hard time walking away from, but you feel the Holy Spirit convicting you of those things. I love, can I just say, man, this sermon's been full of rabbit trails. I love that we don't preach, fix the symptoms first. I love that we, as in Paul, doesn't tell us, the Bible doesn't tell us, you need to fix this, fix this, fix this, and then you'll love God more. We say, man, love the Lord more, and then he's going to reveal those things, and then follow after where the Lord's revealing. I think that's so important. And so as you see those things, it's like, okay, I love them, but man, then you say, okay, one day at a time. What are those things? What, what tonight do I need to submit to him? What do I need to maybe confess? Because maybe it's this secret sin, right? And we talk about that a lot on here because I think to just hide it and to keep it closed in, man, I can just protect myself and I can create my own image of who I want people to think I am. Maybe you need to bring some stuff into the light that's really uncomfortable and you got to tell some people stuff. It's like, hey, man, this is, this is some stuff I've been struggling with. You pray for me. Will you text me and call me? Will you walk with me as I want to look more and more like you, more and more like Christ? And then we say one day at a time, one day at a time, we say, okay, Lord, your mercies are new today. Today's daily bread. Meet me here in this place. Let me submit to you today. And then tomorrow, we'll worry about tomorrow. And maybe you're just, maybe you're just pissed about hearing about marriage. Right? Maybe you're just pissed that you just sat through a 35-minute sermon on marriage, and you're saying, Lord, what the heck? Man, why am I not, why have you not given me this good thing? And what am I doing wrong? I'm doing all this stuff wrong. Maybe there's anger there with God. Maybe it has to do with your relationship status, or maybe it has to do with something totally different, a job or an illness or a family member or a, whatever it is. And you take that anger and you say, is God still good? And you put it before him. And you say, is God still good enough? Is he still enough for me? And you put it before him today and you say, Lord, Lord, I want to be satisfied in you. I, I talk about this a lot, but... I'm not calling anyone who's single in this room this next, the next couple weeks, I promise, you're not going to be about, hey, be content in your singleness. You don't have to be content in your singleness. But I want you to be satisfied in Christ. We're going to unpack, the, there's a real fine line there with those two words. You don't have to be content. You can pray for and work towards and do some things strategically different and say, okay, I want to be wise and I want to be, because I think this is something that the Lord's put on my heart because I want to have this. So I want to do this right, God. So show me what that looks like. And so that doesn't have to be a contentness where you just say, okay, I'm just going to not do anything. No, I, th I think there's some things that we can do. But what is satisfaction? And, there's a re and that can be really dangerous. I'm not content with my singleness, but I'm satisfied right now with who Christ. Christ is still enough for me. Christ is still enough for me. When Danielle and I, we had two miscarriages um, before we had Charlie and Miles, who are our, our two boys. We had two miscarriages. And we really got to a place of extreme worship. And it was the sweetest season of worship we've ever had. Uh, and it was after we lost uh, our second baby, which was a girl. And, uh, and it, was, it was this really hard thing because, um, because we wanted to have kids, right? I know a lot of you guys are in that place. And you want to have kids, and you want to have a wife, and you want to have a husband. And, and it was this really hard thing because after the second miscarriage, when we lost the second baby, we just thought, man, this is a, now a pattern. Right? We lost one baby, and then we got pregnant again, and we were praying, and we were naming, and we were telling our family, and then we lost that baby. And, and it really became all this fear. I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but this fear of like, well, maybe I'm never going to get that. Maybe I'm never going to get that thing I desire. That thing that not only I desire, but becomes such a part of our identity. Man, when you talk about relationships and family, I mean, that's not just a desire like a new car. That's like intrinsic in like, what makes you complete? Because from a little age, we're thinking about those things and wanting those things and expecting those things. And so it's one of those heart, really deep things of maybe we never are going to get kids. And we had to ask ourselves the question, is God still good? We weren't content with that. We still tried. We still worked. And God blessed that. And that was awesome. And we have kids. And it's great. But in that season of just doubt and discouragement came I mean this, guys. I, I really want this for you. I don't want to sit up here and say, hey, look what I got. I want this for you guys. I love y'all. And I want for you guys to have sweet seasons of worship when things aren't going circumstantially the way you wanted. And I want you to be able to find the deepest worship in the place of saying, I am not where I want to be right now in whatever area that looks like. 
But God, you're still good and you're still worthy of worship. And I'm still going to praise your name despite the discouragement or the frustration or the absence of this thing that I believe you want to give me or don't know if you want to give me or the unknown. Is he still good? Can we still be satisfied? Not content to give up, but satisfied in who he is. And then that drive how we work through those other things. I want that so bad for you guys. I want, I want all of God's gifts for you guys. Um, and I want this, I know this two-week series is going to be messy. It's going to be rambling. It's going to be all over the place. Um, but I hope you see our heart as a ministry in this. Our heart is in a, as a ministry in this is, if anything, I want you to fall more in love with Jesus. And I want you to submit to him. And if you walk out of here with anything, walk out of here with, all right. Man, I stirred up some emotion here. I stirred up some frustration, some anger, some confusion. Great. Take it to Jesus. Let me pray over you. Father, you do this in us, Lord. Uh, we want to love you more. So would we choose to, Lord? Would we not just sit passively and say we want to love you more, but would we choose to put ourselves nose to nose with you, God? Would we open up scripture? Would we surround ourselves with other believers? Would we plug in worship music in our ears throughout our day? Would we, would we chase after the things that stir our affection for you and just renew our mind in those things so that we might know you more and so we might love you more. And Father, help us to submit to you, God. There's so many other things that we can choose and chase after. But Lord, we want you, God. We want this idea of submission to not be this, this awful word that just has been abused by so many chauvinists who would claim a word like this and, and use it abusively in relationships, God. Just forgive the church for that hypocrisy and that misapplication of scripture. And instead, Lord, teach us what a, a real submission to you looks like that actually produces freedom and produces life because to be submitted to you is to abide in the vine. To be submitted to you is to be open to you and your working through us. And that's what's gonna really produce real life. That's what's gonna produce joy and love and peace. Those are the things that we really want. We're not finding them in those other things that we submit to, those other things that we chase after. So God, grow our faith in those areas. Would we radical to chase after that? And God, I just pray for my brothers and sisters in this room. I pray for all the, the mess that a sermon like this stirs up. God, you care about them. You love them more than I do. So would you, with your spirit, work through the truth tonight and would they see this beautiful picture of the gospel in marriage? And would we have some of the sweetest times of worship in our life when our circumstances don't match our expectation? Do that work, please, in the name of Jesus, Father. Tonight, do that work in our hearts and in this room. In your son's name we pray.